Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about pastures and crop protection products or crop protection programs you could use in your pasture to make things better. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything going on in your farm, agronomically speaking, we'd love to talk to you. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. All right, so when we talk about pasture programs, I want to start you with this. 2,4-D over the years has been the most popular pasture herbicide. What's happened in the last three years, thanks to COVID and as people refer to it, supply chain issues, um, LV6, the most popular pasture herbicide in the United States, it's exploded in price. It's roughly three times the price. It's ridiculous. Plus it's in tight supply. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to consider using something else now that LV6 is priced ridiculously. So here are the things that I would consider if it was me. One, if you want just a direct replacement for LV6, where basically you're going to burn down everything there is out there, probably not going to do the best job on perennials. You're definitely not going to leave like long-term residual or anything else. So you want a direct replacement for LV6 with something that's better I mean, and I'm serious, it is better. And right now, it's probably similar money. Distinct. Use the full rate of distinct at six ounces. That's similar to, well, it is the same active ingredient as what there is in status. It's got the same two active ingredients. So if you remember from back, well, it's been probably 10, 12 years ago when status came out, distinct was the product in corn. But the problem was it doesn't have a safener in it. So they put a safener with distinct, called it status. And, by the way, most people are using a cut rate of status. Most people I know are using 2.5 to 5 ounces. Well, the equivalent to 6 ounces of distinct is actually 7.5 ounces of status. So I just want you to think about your corn. And if you've sprayed status at all in the last five years, and if you happen to remember the rate, I'm sure it was either 2.5 or 5 ounces, imagine if you used it at 7.5 ounces. Everything's dead for a broadleaf. It's the best broadleaf herbicide in corn I've ever seen. Even at a reduced rate, it's pretty good. But if you went the full rate of status at seven and a half ounces, amazing. Problem is, that gets really expensive. Well, distinct is way, 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 way cheaper than status, roughly one third the cost or half, depending on the retailer. But anyway, I'd just suggest go to distinct if you say, well, LV6 is too expensive or can't find it. Okay, so that's what I would do if I just want a direct replacement. Now, personally, we have some pasture ground, and I kind of look at, you know what, I just want the weeds gone, and I want them gone for good. Perennials and biennials seem to do quite well out in pastures. So if, let's say, you've got leafy spurge, use Tordon, and use a full quart. And you might say, oh, my goodness, that's expensive. A full quart of Tordon, unbelievably, is similar money to 1.3 quarts of LV6, which is kind of my standard recommendation for a lot of pastures. So you're like, what? Tordon is as cheap as LV6 right now? Yes. It's, it's insane. If you have thistles, milestone, just a little more expensive than Tordon, 
But Milestone at 7 ounces, not only is it lights out, but it'll leave you residual for a really long time. Now, not as long as Toradon, where it'll be there for many years, but the Milestone will leave you years worth of residual if you're using 7 ounces. If you've got brush, I'd go with Chaparral. That's basically a combination of Milestone and Ally. Uh, if you want just kind of general weed control, but you're looking for a little more residual, Duracore, really good option. Got a 24D replacement product in there plus Milestone. So, I mean, there are a lot of good options. Cost is, yeah, it's not super cheap, but let's face it, everything in our society is not super cheap right now. But if you've used LV6 in the past, scratch it, go to something better because the price, it's too high. You don't, you shouldn't pay that kind of money for LV6. It's ridiculous. So I'm just trying to say, if you're going to spend that kind of money, get something better because there, there are all kinds of other choices that are way better. So anyway, all depends on your situation. There are plenty of other products to talk about, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the other ones today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, first question comes in from Jeff in Indiana. He says, I've been using three ounces of Laudis in years past on my corn. Everything's been working fine. But my chemical retailers tried talking me into using three ounces of Callisto to save some money. This is for corn post-emerge application, along with a quart of atrazine and glyphosate that I always use. So is Laudis better than Callisto or Callisto better than Laudis? What do you think? Oh, by the way, our biggest target with this glyphosate, with this is glyphosate-resistant broadleaves, such as waterhemp. Okay, Jeff. Personally, I don't think you're going to see a lot of difference on waterhemp, whether you use Laudis or Callisto. Here are the differences. Laudis is just a little bit better on grass. Not much, but a little bit. With the glyphosate in there, who cares? The other thing that, that I do kind of like is we believe Callisto has just a little more carryover than Laudis. So when you go with Laudis, a little less. Uh, Laudis is in on the Bear Plus program. So if you're buying other Bear products, then you would get some rebate money there. So beyond that, I mean, it's not a big deal. We've used both on our farm. Honestly, like I say, I don't think you can tell much difference on most of the Roundup-resistant broadleaves. All right, next one comes from Tanner. He says, guys, I was at your naturals workshop, and you mentioned Boost 10 amino acids. Well, I'd like to try some on forage triticale. Can I spray it with gibberellic acid at Greenup? Um, Tanner, if it's me, uh, would I be willing to try that? Yes, but I'm going to assume that on your gibberellic acid, it's not going to be labeled to go along with with amino acids. So to be on the safe side and be in the label, you might have to split apply them. I'd probably be willing to try at least some though. His next question, can it be chemigated on with a pivot? No, I would not do that. It waters it down too much. Can you spray it with uh, headline or fungicide or fertilizer? Uh, look, you can, but there are probably other products we'd rather do at that point. The best result we've seen in cereals has been at Greenup. So that's the way I would do it. That should be the where you get the best result. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. 
Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're talking a little about, about pasture crop protection programs. And first on the show, we got Clifford calling in from down in Texas. Clifford, how are you today? I'm great. Excellent. All right, so we're talking a little about weeds that we would commonly see in pastures and how we get them under control. What are your top couple of weeds you would have in pastures down there in Texas? Well, we bought our property recently. We just moved out. We moved towards agriculture rather than moved away from it. And uh, we had a pasture that it needed a lot of work. Uh, we hit it hard with a mix, uh, and we got everything, I think, but the prickly pear. And that one's, and the uh, little uh, sand spurs, I think everybody calls them, little, little tiny sharpie things. Those are really bad. Uh, we're having trouble with that. Uh, we're trying to grow grass like everybody else, and it's it's hard to measure effectiveness of control when it won't rain. So <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. We we've had about well, we had about two and a half years of drought here until we ended up getting about a year's worth of rain in the form of snow this winter. It seems like so not a whole lot of fun here this winter. I was kind of wishing we would be seeing some some green grass like you hopefully are or will be down there when you get some rain. So tell us just a little bit about some of the other weeds that that were out there. Was there anything that kind of stood out to you? Did you have much for thistles or anything else before? Well, we had, we had a, a ton of what we call goat weed, and I know that's a regional description. A mm-hmm. uh, ton of goat weed. We had a lot of bitter sneeze weed. Uh, we had a few thistles. Those were pretty good to go. Uh, yuccas are uh, a recurring theme that we satch and uh, a mesquite uh, or I think will always be an ongoing project. Uh, well, we had uh, uh, also we have animals that want to destroy your pasture. We, we're in, this, in the south. We've got those feral hogs 
and I'm not, I know they're not everywhere yet, and, uh, but uh, we work with some folks to uh, minimize that, and that's very effective. That's, that's something you can control that's fun to do, not just have to do. <laughs> All right, let's come, let's come back to your prickly pear thing. I was just curious, have you, okay. tri- have you tried any triclopyr? Like that, so that'd be like Remedy Ultra, and there are a number of other ones that have that active ingredient, triclopyr. That's a lot of times what we would suggest out in pastures. might not be perfect, but it does give you at least some control. Yes, the triclopyr is supposed to uh, take it down within three years. Uh, you, you know, hit it every year for yep. three years, Keep and after. that does a pretty good job. Yep. Uh, there's another product out, and I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it Re- Resilon? Is that the one for prickly pear, or is that Mesa View? No, uh, Cortiva has a Mesa View product, and that works very good on anything that we sprayed adequately, and it's it's gone. Yeah, one, you know, one one season. Uh, so we were very pleased with that, but we didn't get adequate coverage on all the plants. So we had about a 91% reduction in our prickly pear issues. Uh, I like using the uh, uh, Remedy Ultra. Uh, we've used that. That took out a lot of stuff. That took out more than anything as far as number of species that were issues. That was amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that maze of you. Most people won't buy it because they don't like the cost but if you have a disaster out there it's pretty amazing because you've got basically milestone tordon and starring so you've got well at least two tremendously powerful herbicides with lots of residual so yeah that that should kill just about anything hey uh clifford thanks a lot for calling in today appreciate it and uh, we'll pray for some rain for you down there Oh, we always listen to the show. We're a we're a kind of the homesteader size outfits, and there's so many of us that look to your show to get this good information. So we really appreciate you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Clifford. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. Bye bye. Yep. All right, let's go next down to the state of Iowa. Got Doug calling in. Sounds like uh, Doug, you got a little bit of snow just like we did. Oh, we did, and we got some rain, too, and we really like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got some rain earlier in the week, and, uh, yeah, that, that kind of thinned the snow down just a little bit, but we've had almost a record amount for this time of the year, so anything that will thin it down would be nice. Hey, Doug, we're talking about pastures a little bit today. I was just curious, what do you, what do you have for weeds out in your pasture? Well, hopefully no weeds, um, but what, what did you have before you killed them? <laughs> well, actually, I uh, had a little Canadian thistle problem. And we've came in, uh, I was trying to think of the chemical that we used on it. We did like a two-year program on that and pretty well got those knocked down. Now, I'm hoping they don't reappear because if they do, we're going to hit them again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as expensive as rents are getting and, I mean, just what pasture's worth anymore, that grass is, I mean, it's a valuable commodity. And if you have weeds, they say for every one pound of weeds, you lose two pounds of grass, so or even three in some cases. So that's not real good. I, I would believe that. Uh, it was amazing how when we knocked that Canadian thistle down, how much more grass grew the very next year. Yep. It was amazing. Yeah, when I was a young farmer and young agronomist, I just remember being out in one of our fields, 
and there was some Canada thistle that had gotten going early in the spring, and it wasn't like a huge patch or anything, but it yeah. impacted the corn for a, a big radius around that. And I thought, wow, I, I just I I was surprised that it had that much impact. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. You know, when they say these stats about how big a deal some of these weeds are, especially thistles, oh, it's it's really something. So is there anything else out there that you're uh, that that you're fighting besides thistles? Um. No, not really. Uh, you know, we used to have a lot of musk thistles, yeah. but uh, we worked on those. And actually, those are pretty mild compared to these Canadian thistles. So yeah. uh, I'm just working on fertility now. I just keep keep working on that. And uh, it seems like when you work on your fertility, the weeds don't become an issue. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then rotational grazing gets to be a big deal, too, because if you graze anything yep. down, I mean, it's just like in a lawn around your house. You cut it too low, and pretty soon the weeds start coming. So we got to have crop canopy. Yeah. So tell us about the fertility thing. What what are you working on, or what have you identified have, that's been an issue out in your pasture? Well, we've, we've been doing rotational grazing, like you mentioned, yeah. for well, probably going on probably close to 14 years now. Wow, nice. And uh, we... Uh, have access to hog manure mm -hmm. and so we use hog manure and I soil test and uh, if it needs some lime or some trace minerals I've done that um, but now we're just kind of on a maintenance schedule uh, it's been real really pretty easy now so what do you do uh, with your yeah. what do you do with your nitrogen program because a lot of guys I know they just they hit it with nitrogen once early in the spring and that's it what's your plan with nitrogen well, uh, since I've been getting the hog manure, I haven't been doing uh, nitrogen. Uh, now, last year, it looked like it was going to be a dry year, and we did put some, because the hog manure was put on like in the uh, late summer of the year before. Sure. So I did go in and put in like about uh, 30 pounds of nitrogen just to try to get the grass to do a little better, and it was it was really touch and go um, the later end of the summer. It really was. And uh, uh, I was glad to see fall come and get those cows off of there. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No, I'm with you on the manure thing. The nice, the nice deal with manure, there's a bunch of it, that nitrogen that doesn't come available for a long time because of the amount of organic mm -hmm. nitrogen that's in there. So, yeah, it's kind of a controlled release nitrogen program for you. Well, it hey. Is. Well, hey, Doug, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it, and uh, we want to wish you the best here in 2023. Oh, you bet. And I, I really appreciate uh, watching you guys on TV, listening to you on the radio. It's it's always uh, fun and informative. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it, Doug. You bet. Have a great day. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, Doug brought up the key word there, fun. <laughs> and sometimes when we're talking about well, there are, there are a few of these topics that don't get, they're not, I mean, super exciting. But you know what's fun is when you have a pasture that does better, which then a lot of times means your cows do better. And all those things, as you learn and you put it into practice, it does get more fun. It makes farming more fun every year. So we're going to continue trying to pass on some of that information for you. And we're going to go back to the phone lines right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thank you. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5 EC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio and talking pastures today. Got Ross calling in from Florida. Hey, Ross, how are you? Doing great. Yourself? Excellent. I hear you're just uh, driving down the interstate right now. Yep, yep. Um, glad to see you doing something on uh, pastures instead of just corn and soybeans. <laughs> but, yeah, I just yep. wanted to share my experiences um, sure. I've used, uh, the last two years, I've used that uh, Grazon Next. Yes. Impregged on some dry fertilizer. Yep. Usually we went out with like a 2010 with miners at about 300 pounds per acre in the spring after green up. Uh-huh. Worked really good both years. Great. 
it saved me money because I didn't have to go back and spray. Yep. Um, did a great job on weed control. And last but not least, it's a lot safer because I didn't have to worry about spray drift over on my neighbor's peanuts or tobacco or cotton or yeah. Um, hell, the one year the guy grew watermelons right across the fence from me, <laughs> and I was kind of worried about that one. Yep. But, yep. You know, everything was good. Good. Uh, what What are your main like one or two target weeds? Um, thistles, tropical soda apple, uh, coffee beans, careless weed. You know, I mean, this is Florida. We got everything down here. <laughs> so it's damn near year round growing conditions. Right. Yeah. And it's like a greenhouse there with the humidity and everything else. Yeah. I, the Graze on Next has been a good product. My my only thing I would say is a lot of people now are switching from Graze on Next over to Duracore. And the reason why, you still get the Milestone. So Graze on Next and Duracore both contain the active ingredient from Milestone. The only difference is Graze on Next has old 2,4-D amine that, to your point, Ross, can volatilize and drift. And the Duracore has basically a 2,4-D replacement product that doesn't have all that volatility. So I know Corteva has been making a big push on trying to get guys converted over from these old formulations of 2,4-D over to the new ones, just so we as farmers and, and ranchers and people working with, with pastures don't have as many concerns with that. So that'd be the, about the only thing I would say there on that. And then in terms of the impregnation, we don't usually have as good a results with impregnation as opposed to spraying. But you did bring up some great points on, I mean, it is an advantage. Don't have to make another trip. Don't have to worry about the drift as much early on, all that kind of stuff. But that's, if you are going to impregnate, that's why it's really important to have something with good residual like the milestone component of Grazon Next has. So I'm sure that's why you're getting the good results. But anyway, uh, I just want to thank you a lot for calling in, Russ. Uh, Ross, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening to the show and wish you the best here in 23. You bet. Thank you. You bet. All right. We're going to go next to our good friend Paul Johnson. He is the Extension Weed Science Coordinator with South Dakota State University. Paul, how are you today? Good, good. Hey, did you by chance go down to Frisco for that big game a week ago? No, I didn't. I uh, had too much happening yet, to, but uh, I it's the mid- it, on the it's the middle of the winter, the Paul. It's the middle of the winter. Yeah. I mean, we're not you could barely get out with all the snowdrifts. I mean, I so can I only assume that a lot of your work you're doing right now is this this extension side and and training people and things like that. Yeah, in fact, uh, we just got done with a, a commercial applicator training here about an hour ago. Oh, yep. Okay, so we, we were just talking about Grazon Next versus Duracore and drift and volatility and stuff like that. That, that. that is one question that I've got for you. Are you still seeing a lot of drift and volatility issues out of just general pasture spraying? Or are guys doing a pretty good job now keeping that under control and within the target area? Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot better than we were five, ten years ago. And uh, I think... You know, some of these newer products are a little bit better that yes. way. Yep. Um, you know, and the Duracore, um, from everything I've got by this spring, is going to be all high noon. And that is the same product, but it will have the pasture label that the Duracore didn't have for us. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, um, 
in terms of anything else that's kind of new and different, is there anything else you're talking to people about? Because I know a lot of people are frustrated by the very high cost of 24D, and I have just been saying, well, this is your perfect time to switch. So what else yeah. are guys switching to? Well, it all kind of comes down to uh, the weeds they've got out there. You know, we're still seeing a lot of people using uh, Tordon because of, then they can both deal with the thistles and the leafy spurge, especially in uh, the northern part of South Dakota. And uh, uh, the 24D, you know, it, it could be even tight to get it. Not only is the price higher, but it right. could be tight to even get the product. And so, you know, if people are going to uh, stick with that, I would sure recommend getting product as soon as they can in their hands. I agree with you. All right. How about in terms of weeds in the state of South Dakota? You go all around the state. What what yep. are maybe the top one or two pasture weeds where you see it fairly commonly, and guys just are doing a poor job of control? Well, the one thing that there uh, that really always gets kind of missed is the uh, snowberry or buckbrush, yep. um, and that one really. You know, if, if you've got that just even in pasture or patches in a pasture, it really uh, cuts back on the production because of how stickery it is. The cattle aren't going to go into it or sheep and uh, eat that grass out of there. So it's almost like just eliminating those acres. Um, uh, another one. Uh, we're seeing is uh, wormwood sage, which is really pretty easy to control, but it's early in the season, and by the time they get around to spray their pastures, it's getting too late to do a good job on it. Yeah. And so I, I guess if I was going to pick out two weeds that they don't do a good job on, those two would be kind of top of my list. What would you suggest for each of those weeds in terms of the best herbicide performance you've seen? Well, um, the Escort on Buckbrush is just awesome. And there's a lot of products that have the Escort in that also will take care of other weeds for them. But um, uh, Escort uh, just really takes it out. And the funny part of Buckbrush is you can go up to two quarts of Tordon and you don't even touch it uh, to any <laughs> aspect. Yeah. And and the first time I ever seen that, it just blew my mind. Uh, but 2,4-D is also good on it, but you have to get it, in all cases, you got to get it early before the leaves start getting waxy. Our dad always told us 2,4-D with crop oil. It took the crop oil, and that goes back exactly to what you're just talking about, the waxy leaves. You can't penetrate through, and that's why we threw that crop oil in. Uh, how about the wormwood? Yeah. How about the wormwood sage? A anything in particular you really like? Um, well, wormwood sage. There's a lot of options. If you go for early, you can use 2,4-D. The Duracore is not bad on it. The Milestone isn't bad on it. Uh, Tordon is excellent on it. So there's um, really for that one. To me, you look at what other weeds you have. And you kind of pick out a product that's going to work good on the wormwood sage, but also get as many other weeds as you may have in the pasture. Well, but you need to get it fairly early, you know, by, oh, late May. 
<laughs> and as people are listening to that, they're like, what? I'm busy. So, and you yeah. you brought this up earlier. I, I mean, a lot of times it ends up being late when guys spray the pasture because quite frankly, the pasture is the last thing we're worried about in the spring for a lot of us that raise crops. So maybe more guys, Paul, will plant their corn and soybeans early so then they'll be all done. Then they can get to their pasture spraying a little sooner. <laughs> Hey, uh, Paul, we got to run, but thanks a lot for the time. Again, we've been talking with Paul Johnson. He is with South Dakota State University. Thanks, Paul. All right, so we're talking pastures today. If you've got any questions for us about that, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll talk pastures a little bit more after this and then get back to your questions in the Ag PHD mailbag. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. What HPPD resistant weeds are coming? We've got verdict herbicide. Verdict herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to verdict herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Come to Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Come to Commodity Classic. Please join us in Orlando, Florida in 2023. Join us in Orlando for Commodity Classic. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking pastures here on the show today. And just to kind of wrap things up with that, I would say we want to get weeds under control as soon as possible. And for that matter, you can even go out there in the fall and kill a lot of your weeds and pastures. So then your crop gets off to, and by crop, I mean pasture. I, 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 I try to think about pasture as a crop. And the more that I do, usually the more successful I am. Because if I just treat it like my crops, if I treat it like my corn, for example, I soil test, I fertilize, and I get the weeds under control quickly, um, usually we turn out a lot better. There was something that got mentioned a little bit earlier today too, and especially when you're talking with Doug from Iowa about rotational grazing. That is really important. We want to make sure that we are getting good crop canopy out there, so we don't want to graze that that pasture down too low. Otherwise, you just end up spending more money on herbicide to kill those weeds. And then I guess my final comment is what I started with. 2,4-D is ridiculously high-priced. It's short in supply. If you're going to spend that kind of money, spend it on something better. we got a lot of better choices out there, whether it's distinct. Duracore, Milestone, Chaparral for brush, Tordon. I, I mean, you've got so many great options that unfortunately now, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, are similarly priced this year to what a good strong rate of 2,4-D is. All right. Um, going to get back to our questions here. This one comes in from Thaddeus from Colorado. He says, hi, guys. I began leasing a farm in April of this last year. And I was able to buy it in July. Well, this is my first year farming for myself. And I grew about 50 acres of corn, 100 acres of old alfalfa stand on this ground with ditch irrigation. And uh, this year, I'm going to be able to use pivots that were installed around harvest time. So it's going to be about 200 acres in total that I've got. So anyway, my question is, how would you recommend getting a soil pH work down? Because it's around 8, 7.8 to 8 in my soil tests. And... Let's see what else has he got here. Oh, the the other question is this, and we do run into this sometimes. He says, how would you recommend turning the dirt where old roads and ditches were into fertile soil again? My agronomist recommended manure on the roads at 20 tons, but every feed yard around seems to have their spoken for already. All right, so Thaddeus, first thing that I would say is don't get too hung up on this high pH thing. Now, granted, I mean, we have to manage it a little bit differently, but here's my point. We've been able to prove on our own farm that high pH doesn't have to kill you, and we've worked with a lot of people that have had really good yields even though their pH is on the high side. So my number one piece of advice is let's set that to the side for just a second, and let's focus on all our different nutrients because what we also have learned over the years is that soil pH is basically just showing us, if it's off anyway, that we've got something out of balance in our soil. 
So when I see the pH around 8, it's probably telling me I got some nutrients that uh, maybe aren't in the best of shape. So looking through the nutrients on your soil test here, and let me first say this is heavier soil, 26 to 28 cation exchange capacity. Your phosphorus is really, really low, 5 parts per million to 14 parts per million. So that's your number one yield limiting factor as it appears to me right now. Number two, I'm looking at your potassium, and it's not terrible. It's certainly not terrible. You're at two or three percent, and one of the one of the challenges is too. So, like on your cation exchange capacity numbers you're getting from your soil te- from your soils lab, they're just rounding everything to the integer. They're rounding everything to that whole number. Well, is a two actually two point four? Is a three actually two point six? I mean, we don't know. So most labs will reflect those numbers. Out, out one more decimal place. So I can see, oh, is it 2.4? Is it 2.6? Or what? whatever it is. So anyway, nevertheless, I would say potassium does appear to be kind of low on your farm. So I'm going to be taking a look at that. Beyond that, um, I, I just say when whenever we're talking about new ground, and so I, I'm going to refer to that as the uh, uh, the, the road you're talking about or ditches or whatever. Number one, we always want a soil test and try to get the nutrients balanced just like anything else. So undoubtedly it's going to need P and K. And then, I mean, like all the rest of your ground, it, you got to make sure you're taking a look at copper and zinc and boron and you're going to need sulfur about every year and nitrogen, all those kind of things if you're going to raise a good corn crop. But, um, the manure advice is really good. And if you can't get manure, get compost or get get something that's got living, more living organisms in it. That'll help bring that soil back to life sooner. So I'd keep searching around and just see if you can't get some manure from someone because I think that is great advice that your agronomist gave you. Uh, beyond that, I don't know that there's anything tremendously that stands out to me other than this when we talk about alfalfa so let's say at some point you want to go back to alfalfa you can't fertilize it very well on a on an annual basis with nutrients that don't move in soil when you've got a 26 to 28 cation exchange capacity that's heavy ground so we already know phosphorus wasn't going to move into the soil if you broadcast it and couldn't work it in. But potassium also, when you've got that heavy a ground, it's just not going to move in very well. So my advice to you, and I know when, when you're young, it's hard to afford much of anything. But I just want you to think about this for the long term. If in the future you're going to put in some alfalfa five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, just always be thinking back to this and say, all right, if I'm ever going to put alfalfa in, I'm putting three years worth of P and K out there and maybe zinc and copper, whatever else I need for these immobile nutrients. And I'm going to get it down in the ground, six inches, eight inches, 10 inches deep. So it's locked in there. I don't have to worry about losing it. It's in the right spot for my crop. And now I'm going to do quite well. Oh, uh, by the way, with alfalfa, it really likes a pH of 7 and maybe even a little bit above. So I can certainly see why alfalfa may have been successful there in the past. Thanks for the questions. Appreciate that. All right, next one comes from uh, Jesse, and he said, Hey, guys, what calculation are you using for your lime application rates? Because I'm using your soils app, and it's it's telling me to put on more lime than my co-op is. 
Okay, so Jesse, I don't know exactly what what things you punched into there, but I will say this. We typically will look at two things. Number one, and what I'm most concerned about, is fixing pH. All right, and I'm assuming that's what your co-op is trying to, to do for you as well. The other thing that we will look at quite often is the calcium to magnesium ratio. Now, personally, I don't think it's... Um, I, I, it, I would say I don't believe it's super necessary to get that all fixed up in one year or anything, but that may have been something that got selected in the soils app where you said, okay, well, I want to get this balance for calcium, magnesium, everything else, and then that may have required more calcium to be applied. So you can take a look at that, but I'm guessing that's where that came from. We have gotten a lot of questions in about soil tests because of our soils clinic that we had last week, and we appreciate those. One of the biggest things I would just stress for for everybody listening out there is just continue to, to work on learning how to read a soil test. It's so important. Fertility, I mean, other than drainage on our farm, fertility has absolutely been number one. So this question comes in from Ken. He says he's in Arkansas farming corn, rice, and soybeans. Well, he's got some soil tests here, and what I'm looking at is some pretty low levels. We've got phosphorus and a malic phosphorus, even, at 19 parts per million. So that's that's a pretty low figure. We've got potassium at 67 parts per million. Again, a pretty low figure. His cation exchange capacity is 13 to 19, so that's telling us he's got a medium-textured soil. So it's not like, oh, the potassium's going to all leach away in a year because it's so sandy. No, this is kind of a medium textured soil. So when I look at those couple of things right there, I, I mean, that's really where I'm going to start when, we, when we're talking about nutrients. His soil pH, by the way, is right around 7. So soil pH is fine. But the biggest things for me, it's that P and the K. And then beyond that, we got to think about, okay, what are the other nutrients that don't move in the soil, like zinc and copper? His zinc levels aren't bad. A lot of times we want to keep that roughly 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc. So as you're building phosphorus, you might need a little bit more zinc. And then with copper, a lot of times we like the phosphorus to copper ratio, 30 to 1, maybe even 40 to 1, and he's down to one part per million. The the nutrients that you have to put on pretty much every year, a little bit of boron, a little bit of sulfur, and, uh, and certainly some nitrogen. So those are kind of the things that I see on your soil test here, Ken. Stay tuned. Be right back. Think ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeereEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at farmshopmfg.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? 
Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Right before the break, I was answering a question about soil tests from Ken from down in Arkansas. And there were a couple things I neglected to say. So Ken was just asking about, well, he told me what he's putting on for nutrients and everything else and telling me about yields and all that kind of thing. I would just say two, two key points here. Number one, please, for everybody listening, look at the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app. What that's going to tell you, you can punch in your crop and your yield goal. That's going to tell you how many nutrients you need. But I don't want you to just think about your field average because like in Ken's case here, he says, hey, I averaged 165 on corn this year. Uh, We had a lot of heat and I mean, there's drought type conditions. It's one thing to talk about average, but I also want you to be thinking about the best areas on your farm because yeah, we focus on average, and so a lot of times it's, oh, what, what should I do for this, and here's my average. But let's take the top 10 or 20%. So maybe the top 10 or 20% was yielding 200, 220, something like that. Well, if we fertilize for 165, guess what we're doing? We're falling behind. And that's my concern when I look at Ken's soil tests here is just that we've got some pretty low levels. And, and, and so that leads me into point two. When we have dry weather and heat, Fertilizer and having ample and balanced soil fertility is more important than when you don't have that dry, hot weather. So in other words, uh, I'll, I'll just step you back for a second. My dad was originally a farmer in Iowa. And after he married my mom, they farmed in Iowa for a couple of years, and then they, they came to South Dakota, which is like 200 miles away from their farm in Iowa. And he said, 
Brian, the number one thing I learned is that when I was in Iowa, in a lot of cases, rain corrected my mistakes. He said, when you have less rain, you have to learn how to farm a little differently. You have to really pay attention to the details. And there is one thing, too, to kind of go along with all this. If your crop starts running short on any one nutrient, you know what it does? It starts pulling more water in. Even though it doesn't need the water, it needs the nutrient, and that's how the nutrient gets in is with the water. So what I'm trying to say is if you don't have that right balance and that right amount of fertility in your soil all the time, then you're going to make your crop a water waster. So that's part of the reason why well-fertilized fields that not just have ample amounts but have balanced amounts, they often are going to have dramatically higher yields than the fields that aren't very well-fertilized in those really dry years. So I know, like for our best fields, that helped us so tremendously these last couple of years when we were in drought. And so that's, that's really my number one piece of advice all the time is learn about soils so then you can get ample amounts of fertility out there, get it balanced, and you're going to be a lot more drought tolerant. All right, next question comes from Matthew, uh, or Matt uh, from Illinois. He says, I'm asking about a, a product to neutralize chlorine. I think you guys were talking about that. Yes. Matt, we have been talking about, it's a product called BioPrep. It literally costs a few cents per acre. But if you're getting rural water, like for us, or in Matt's case here, city water, that's a problem because it's got chlorine in there. Now, it's not a big deal for herbicides in most cases. Usually the herbicides are going to work fine. But when we start talking biological products, oh, it's going to kill them immediately. So if you want to neutralize the chlorine, use that product called BioPrep. All right, next one comes from Grant over in Minnesota. And he says, guys, I got a conversion chart here that I got from someone about converting over like Bray phosphorus tests to Malik and DTPA micronutrient tests to Malik and things like that. What do you guys think of this? Okay, so Grant, here's here's what we've learned. Yes, there there are conversion factors you can use for just about all tests except for manganese when it comes to DTPA to Malik. There is no conversion when it, when it comes to that. What we have found is the lower the soil pH, the higher the manganese test in the DTPA. And the malic is more reflective of just flat out what's there in the soil. So that's the reason why, like on our farm, we switch from DTPA to malic 3. Well, plus I like the much lower cost. But anyway, a lot of the micronutrients, they are going to appear higher. I don't know that I agree with all these things that you've got here uh, on this chart because it really varies depending on the lab. Every lab will leave the extraction or they could leave the extraction in for just a certain amount longer or whatever. So a lot of times they'll say, oh, it's the same extraction method. Yes, but if they leave it in that solution for even an extra three minutes or something, I mean, the results can be a little bit different. So I don't know that this is 100% accurate or anything like that, but certainly there are there are conversions. And, and there there's plenty of published information out there on this, so you can do a little more looking, and I'm sure you'd find something that might turn out to be just a hair more accurate. All right, next one here is, let's see, from Lucas. And he says, I'm looking at trying some non-GMO or conventional corn this year for the seed cost savings. So I'm wondering what I, what you guys think of my herbicide plans. I'm in Alabama. I'm planning on doing a pre-plant burndown with Sharpen and Roundup along with my pre-emerge residual Zidua. 
and I'm going to incorporate it. And then I want to go post-emerge with impact, atrazine, dicamba, and possibly status. What would you change, if anything? Okay, so Lucas, uh, unfortunately, you don't have the answer to my number one question, which is, what weeds are we after here? Because if I don't know the weeds, I can't tell you for sure what's going to be uh, number one on my herbicide list. So if you want to give us a follow-up and tell us what weeds, then we can go from there. Now, I, I would say, though, in conventional corn, what I will always recommend is a full rate of a group 15. So you've got Zidua that you have listed here. My advice, use the full rate. What most people will do is they'll use combination products. So, for example, if you wanted to get Sharpen out there, a lot of people will run Verdict, which is Sharpen and Outlook. If you want to run Zidua, you certainly can. You could spike Zidua in with the Verdict. But, I mean, if you want to just go with this program, perfectly fine. I have no issue with that. Uh, it's just that Zidua is a little more expensive. Anyway, in post-emerge, impact, atrazine, dicamba, all commonly used things, I always am going to worry about dicamba for crop safety and then for drift and volatility. So you mentioned status. Yeah, status is amazing. It just costs a bunch more money. So if I've got a massive weed problem, I use status on our farm. If I don't, then I'm probably running with, like you are, impact and atrazine, and I usually will call it good from there. But again, if you want to send us what weeds you're after, then I can probably give you a little bit better advice. All right, next question here is from John. He's in Minnesota. He said, I got some soil tests I wanted to have you guys take a look at, and here's what he says. He goes, these are composites for each field and very different soil types. Um, the first and second page are only three miles apart, though. So let me know what you think. All right, so John, my first piece of advice to you is this. I, I, at least one time in your farming career, please do small grids or zones. I do not like composite tests because what that, all that's going to happen with a composite test is we're going to find out uh, what the average is. And that's if the composite is pulled well. In other words, we've got half the field we might underfertilize and half the field we might overfertilize. And here's kind of where I'm going with this. So when I look at your phosphorus levels, for example, on your soil tests here, they're ranging from 24 all the way up to 124. Well, if I've already got 124 parts per million of P1 phosphorus, I don't need any more phosphorus for this year for almost any crop I'm going to raise. On the other hand, if I'm only at 24, I definitely need some depending on what my yield goals are. So I just, as expensive as fertilizer is, I just don't want to see you wasting money. The other side of this is, just as my example here, you've got P1 phosphorus at your high point is 124. Okay, well, your zinc in that same spot is 2.3, which means we are somewhere around a 50 to 60 to 1 ratio of phosphorus to zinc. I'll promise you that is not helping your yield. What we have found is somewhere in the general ballpark of 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc, it's where usually we're maximizing yield profitability. So your zinc levels are 1 to 2 in a lot of cases, but you got one spot that's 6. So I, I, I'm just, I'm really worried about the variability you have out there. And I just want to see you get things into balance besides just focusing on, oh, I got to put a whole bunch of stuff out. 
The other thing that I'll say is I don't have a base saturation test here. I'd really like to see that. So I don't know what the sodium is. Um, it's medium to heavy ground, uh, and I can see that with the CEC 13 to 22, but I don't know what the sodium is, and I don't know what my percent of base saturation K is. It appears to me that your potassium is pretty low, though. So if I'm spending money on your farm, number one, I'm going to invest in some, uh, some smaller grids or zones for soil testing, two, phosphorus, three, potassium, and then four, zinc, and then I go from there. Uh, thanks for the question. All right. Well, we hope you have enjoyed our show today. We appreciate you listening. And uh, please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.